It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead. Hey, this is Riley Green. The Road to Detroit podcast starts right now. The landscape of the Detroit Tigers is changing. The Tigers went 14-13 and 13 in the month of May. It's a big deal. First winning month since 2016. It's been two years since we've had the Road to Detroit podcast, and we've been lucky enough to graduate a few of those members, some distinguished RTD alumni. <laughs> Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, and guess what? Not only are they in the big leagues, but we get a whole new crop of prospects and the Tigers' future right before our eyes. Welcome back. The Road to Detroit podcast is back. Dan Hasty, our producer is Nate Wangler. Thanks so much for joining us. On the show today, Riley Green and Dave Littlefield. We haven't done this show in two years. But of course, there was no minor league baseball in 2020. But here we are with a whole new group of prospects, an entirely new draft class, albeit a small one, but entirely within the Tigers' top 30 prospects. And there's another draft coming up. The number three overall pick, another top 100 prospect in the Tigers' system, is just weeks away. We had a seismic shift in minor league baseball. Minor League Baseball consolidated down to 120 teams. The West Michigan Whitecaps were one of those. Not only are they still in the new alignment for Minor League Baseball, but they received a bump in classification. They go from the low A, then known as the Midwest League, to the now high A Central League. Meanwhile, Toledo is still in AAA. The Erie Seawolves are still your AA franchise. And in low A, you get the Lakeland Flying Tigers. We're going to talk about what's going on in Toledo. We're going to talk about Erie because there are some big-time Tigers prospects sitting at a couple of those different stops. But here's one thing that we know now about High A West Michigan. If you want to talk about the new shiny toy in the farm system, guess where it's always going to be first? It's going to West Michigan. Spencer Torkelson, Dylan Dingler, Daniel Cabrera – didn't play at any other levels of the minor leagues. This is their first stop in professional baseball. But the Tigers saw enough of them at the alternate site, saw enough of them in spring training 2.0 after the pandemic, and they assigned them to West Michigan. In the first couple of weeks, there were adjustments. There was learning. There were challenges. But now here we sit about a month into the minor league regular season. We see a Toledo team. That's nearly at 500. An Erie team almost 10 games over 
500. West Michigan's in first place. Low A Lakeland is doing just fine. All four teams that are currently in action are playing well. We're finally seeing these long-suffering years at the major league level, not only starting to pay off at the minor league level, but now we're starting to see the benefits at the major league level. Casey Mize, who we talked about on this podcast at length two years ago, now finds himself not just keeping his head above water, but thriving in Major League Baseball. And then Tarek Skubal, 11 strikeouts, the fourth time by a Tigers rookie since the divisional era. Now you're all of a sudden in the company of names like Pat Underwood and Michael Fulmer and Jack Morris. Tarek Skubal's turning a corner. And the win that they had against the Chicago White Sox last Saturday was one of the biggest wins for this young group of players, maybe that they've had as big leaguers. We certainly know the backstory with Matt Manning. We know about it with Riley Green. I can't wait to talk to Riley. It's been too long. But the West Michigan group is really interesting right now because there are so many players. They had as many as nine of the top 30 prospects. That's 30% of the top 10, all in West Michigan. And they're all those recent draftees. So this is why the MLB draft matters so much, especially for West Michigan, because the moment that those guys get picked, your next thought is, when did they go to West Michigan? You know, Casey Mize, when he was drafted, he went to high A Lakeland almost immediately. Spencer Torkelson didn't get a chance to play in affiliated professional baseball in 2020. His first assignment, high A. And it's not just high A where there's some interesting names. There's a lot of intriguing prospects in the middle of that top 30, that 10 to 20 group sitting down in Lakeland. We're going to talk about that as well. This season, we're going to talk to everybody you want to hear from. We'll talk to Spencer Torkelson. We'll talk to Dylan Dingler, Daniel Cabrera, Matt Manning, Riley Green, you name it, we're talking to them. So if there's anybody in your life that finds this as interesting as you do, because I know you're obviously very interested if you're listening to this right now, share it with one person. Share this show with one other person, somebody that you talk baseball with, somebody that you talk Tigers with. Give them a chance to understand from the people themselves What goes into this decision-making process? There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And what a great opportunity that we have to share this with you. The Road to Detroit podcast is back. Let's get the on-ramp. So before we get into each individual team, another reason that we're back is that we're now the Road to Detroit presented by Carhartt. You want to talk about Michigan-made? This is it. Headquartered in Dearborn, Carhartt makes some of the highest quality products anywhere in the country. Whether it's work clothes, jackets, coats, clothing that's fire resistant, or if you're going hunting, there's a reason Carhartt's been around since 1889. We're not talking about a prospect company here. Carhartt has traveled its road to Detroit, and they're one of the best in the game. And that's why Carhartt is building a better world. Let's talk about the state of the Tigers, the state of the farm system. Tigers began the season with the number two farm system in Major League Baseball, courtesy of MLB Pipeline. They graduated a couple of those big-time prospects. Casey Mize, no longer in those top 100 prospects. 
Neither is Tarek Skubal. So now only three members of the Tigers' top 30 sits in the top 100 prospects. But that being said, based on the play of a couple of those players sitting just outside, we might see another one or two names trickle into the top 100. And also, the number three pick in the MLB draft, which comes our way in July, the Tigers started with five top 100 guys. They're at three. I have a feeling we're going to see them back with five prospects in that top 100 in the near future. The three Tigers in the top 100 list right now on MLB Pipeline are as follows. Spencer Torkelson at number three. At number 16, it's Riley Green, and Matt Manning comes in at number 19. So not not all top 100 prospects are created equal, right? So you look at the Tigers and you say, okay, well, having three in the top 20 might be better than a team that has four or five that are sitting at the back end, right? And I know that prospects is a numbers game. You need more lottery tickets than the other guy, but these are three really good lottery tickets, right? So we see Spencer Torkelson so far hitting about 250, four homers, 20 runs batted in. He has gotten a lot of opportunities, and he's been a part of some pretty big moments for the West Michigan Whitecaps. And when discussing players that are new to the Tiger system that we haven't had the chance to talk about, we have to start with the 1-1. One ball, two strikes on Spencer. Torkelson, the number one overall pick in 2020. The 1-2 pitch, line drive, sinking fast, center field, base hit, Spencer Torkelson. The biggest moment in the professional career of the Tigers' number one overall pick. He helps the Whitecaps walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. Two to one. Whitecaps a winner here on Saturday night. So Torkelson's at number three. Riley Green's at number 16. And so far, he's hitting 274, six homers, 20 runs batted in at the time of this podcast being recorded. But I think it's important to also mention this. He is one of the youngest players in all of double A. He's still only 20 years old. He is playing against people three, four years older than he is, and he's not only keeping his head above water, but he's leading the Erie Seawolves in a broad set of different statistical categories. Not every day you see somebody leading a team in home runs, walks, and stolen bases. Those are three different skill sets for an offensive player. It's the discipline at the plate. It's the power. It's the speed. Riley Green is showing that he can check those boxes. So Riley Green off to a fantastic start. Matt Manning still working it out. 0-3, a 9.23 ERA. We're going to talk to Dave Littlefield, see if he has an idea of what's going on with Matt Manning coming up a little bit later on. We didn't get a chance to talk to you in 2020. Tigers took six players in the MLB draft. They ended up taking all position players in that process. This year, it might look a little different. There's a couple of pitchers that are sitting near the top of draft boards, a couple of high schoolers as well. We're going to talk about that. We've got plenty of weeks because the draft doesn't actually occur this year until mid-July. The on-ramp starts in Lakeland. The Flying Tigers split a six-game road series at home against Fort Myers, then they dropped five of seven on the road against Tampa. But Gage Workman, who is a top 15 prospect for the Tigers, is continuing to impress down in Lakeland. He hits safely in four out of five games on the road in Tampa after a five-game hitting streak. He's also stealing some bases, 13 stolen bases, three of which came in the most recent road stretch. He's put up some impressive numbers, three homers, 14 runs batted in. He's pretty much been the same guy in Lakeland that he was at Arizona State. 
So we'll see if that continues to translate. But a lot of things to like, a little more speed than we thought, but the power is there, and the ability to change a game on one swing is currently there for Gage Workman. Let's go to High A West Michigan. High A West Michigan, that's where all the shiny new toys in the system currently reside. The Whitecaps became the first team in High A Central history to sweep an opponent. They busted out the brooms against the Lake County Captains. That's the Cleveland Indians minor league affiliate. And then went to Great Lakes in Midland to take on the Dodgers high A central team, the Loons. And they ended up losing four out of six there. But they ended up having some players play outstanding baseball, even in losing four of six. Most notably, Dylan Dingler. He rattled off a four-game multi-hit streak against Great Lakes. He's now hitting nearly 300 and just recently was named the High A Central League Player of the Week. So congratulations to Dylan Dingler. He has been just as good defensively as he's been offensively. And we all know how difficult it is to get a lot of offense from a catcher. We've been kind of spoiled in Detroit over the last couple of years. Of course, going way back, you've got Bill Freehan. Later on, you ended up with Lance Parrish, Pudge Rodriguez. There have been some outstanding catchers that have played for this organization. But Dylan Dingler, I don't want to put him in that same group, of course, but there's still a lot of boxes that have to be checked. But just initial impressions, this kid is a big leaguer. I think this kid is special. Another player off to a good start, Daniel Cabrera. He had a 10-game hitting streak already this year and a four-game multi-hit streak He's been outstanding. Over the last week, Cabrera drove in three runs. He had five hits, two doubles, a triple, a homer. He's walking more than he's striking out, five to four. It's a big deal for somebody like Daniel Cabrera, who was billed as this all-around skill set, kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of player. And so far, he has shown himself to be adequate, if not above average, in many of those different areas. I've really enjoyed watching the fire that Daniel Cabrera brings to West Michigan. He's been a lot of fun, and I think he's a huge reason why this team has been successful. The Whitecaps had an eight-game winning streak already this season, and they're in first place in their high Central League Eastern Division. Let's go to Double A Erie. The Erie Seawolves just concluded a 12-game stretch on the road. They won four of six against Altoona and then took three of five against Akron. It's tough to win on the road, but this is a team that has had some good veteran leadership to it. And also, how important is that when you're dealing with some younger players like a Riley Green? You're learning the ropes. You're having to play against guys two and three years, four years, your senior, and that is the toughest league. There's so much talent in Double A, no matter where you go. So to see someone like Riley Green thriving, that's a big deal. Riley Green, home runs number five and six this past week. He also drove in a pair of runs while crossing the plate six times. He also stole three bases. Also, congratulations to Andre Lipsius. He got promoted from High A West Michigan. That's where he immediately was assigned after being drafted out of the University of Tennessee back in 2019. Hit the ground running there, and he was really one of the most consistent offensive forces for West Michigan to begin 2021. So he gets the quick promotion to double A, and he's done well there. In his last three games, three for seven, a double, a home run, four runs scored, four runs batted in for Andre Lipsius. Don't count him out. He snuck his way back into the top 30, and I think we could see somebody that could find his way to the big leagues, especially considering his ability to hit for power and average while playing one of those middle infield spots. 
Let's go to AAA Toledo. The Mud Hens, who started a little bit slow this year, won a six-game series against the Louisville Bats. They won four of six before returning home, and then they took on the Memphis Redbirds, went two and three. They've had some good performances earlier this season. Yariel Gonzalez, a 27-year-old switch hitter, he's currently got an on-base percentage over 400, some good power numbers as well. That's a look at the on-ramp. Welcome back. The Road to Detroit podcast. He's literally one of the reasons that this show exists. He is Riley Green, the number 16 prospect in Major League Baseball, joins us on the Road to Detroit. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me today. You know, the last time we had you on the show, you were in West Michigan, and you looked like you had just left senior prom. Now fast forward two years, and you look like a grizzled vet. What happened to you in 2020, and are you a father with four kids? I barely recognize uh, you. Uh, I'm definitely not a father with four kids, and will not be for a while. So, I mean, I was on the show when I was 18 years old. Yeah, I was um, skinny. I had a baby face. I didn't think I could, I could put on this much weight uh, in a matter of two years. So, I mean, I mean, I, I mean I'm excited about that. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely – I definitely look a lot different from the last time I was here. How much weight did you put on? I read somewhere that you had lost about 15, 20 pounds. You, but you looked like you had put some on. You looked like you had been working out. Is that how you spent 2020? Yeah. So um, so I was probably like 190, 190 when I came into pro ball. Um, and then I got up to like 215, 220. And then, and then, and then I kind of I had to... Like, you know, like back down because, you know, the speed kind of was not there. So I was like, all right, I'll lose a, I'll lose a few pounds, gain some muscle and, um, you know, get the speed back. So, yeah, I made a, I made an executive decision on that one. Just to, just to yeah, kind of stick at like 205, 208 range just so I can just keep the speed in the outfield. Well, you're now playing in Erie as one of the youngest players in all of AA. It feels like ever since you've been drafted, you've been playing against older guys. Was that ever intimidating? Like maybe when you first started out? I mean, now it's a pretty normal thing. So I'm curious how you dealt with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, when I was in high school, I mean, I was in, the, um, I was in all those showcases, whatever, all the big tournaments. And um and I always got brought up to play on the um, on the older teams, because because with my child ball team there was there was there was different teams, and um, I was with the older guys most of the time. And um, I feel like I feel like just being able just to be with the older groups and things like that really helped me out. But um, I'm really taking it well. I think, um, yeah, just being able to be with the older guys, um, especially older guys being my teammates, just being able to pick their brains, learn a lot of things. Um, you know, just learn the life of a minor league, really, because this is my first full season. Just like, it's just like, just the little things like they say, just like, hey, like, make sure you bring this, make sure you do this, you know, just so you're more comfortable. And I mean, it's just like things you would never think of. So, I mean, I'm just glad I'm with, I'm, I'm with some older guys here. One of the youngest players in AA right now, Riley Green. We looked up your stats from high school at Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida. You hit almost 425 your senior year, and now you're in a league where you, if you hit 270, 280, 80, 
everybody looks at you like, wow, great job. <laughs> I bet, I bet yeah. you learned about this in West Michigan a little bit. How did you convince yourself not to get too high or too low and just kind of trust the process? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, when I was, um, when I was in West Michigan, I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't play the way I wanted to play. I mean, I was young, I was 18, but, um, but still, I mean, I, I still want to play good wherever I go. Um, and that was kind of the first taste of struggle I had, you know, I was hitting what, like 220, 210 maybe. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, just being able just to grow and now being 20 instead of 18, just being able just to deal with that mentally, just being mentally strong through it all. And, you know, just try not to have too many highs and lows, just trying to stay just steady throughout the whole season, I think is big, especially in the minor leagues, just because, um, you know, I mean, you're going to get out, you're going to strike out, you're going to have some bad days, you're going to have some bad weeks even. So, yeah, I mean, just being able just to stay mentally strong through it all and just, I mean, really just trust yourself is is really big. Let's talk about your team in Double A. How's your season been so far? I want to get to your numbers in a minute, but you and your teammates are around 10 games over 500 right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got a squad here. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, the clubhouse. I mean, I feel like I feel like our team chemistry, we've been playing for, what, three, four weeks now. I feel like our team chemistry is really up there. Um, I mean, we have a lot of fun. I mean, our manager, Arnie, he's a really good manager, really good guy, has a lot of feel. I mean, when it comes down to game time, he's – it's like – it's go time for him. But, I mean, we have a lot, a lot of fun here. We all enjoy being around each other. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like when you – when you have a group of guys that, that enjoy being around each other and that can play well together, I mean, I feel like that's where it gets dangerous. So at the time of this recording, you lead your AA Erie team in so many different kinds of categories. But when you blend all of these together, people start to understand why we're so excited. So Riley Green leads that Erie Seawolves team or is tied for the team lead in home runs, hits, walks, and stolen bases. We've also seen you play defense out in center field, which speaks for itself. But to show your abilities in multiple areas like this, what does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to win for my team, really. I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about, you know, trying to get stolen bases, trying to hit the most home runs on the team. Um, you know, I'm just trying to win for the team, just trying to do what I can, you know, trying to get that extra base trying to get a walk every now and then, trying to get on base for my teammates, you know, just trying to pass the baton to the next guy. And um, we actually have a funny joke on our team. So um, it's – so, like, me, me, Ryan Kreidler, and Gary Carpenter, we all have, a, like, a little, like, saying, like, whenever we hit a home run, like, um, like when I hit the home run against, um, against Akron the other, the other night, um, I think I got the six home runs, and, and Kreidler had five home runs. Um, Kerry Carpenter came in and he said, hey, man, six, six home runs isn't safe. Six home runs isn't safe. Right when I walked into the, to, uh, to the dugout. And then literally, literally I look up and Kreider hits a back-to-back home run and he has six now. So we're all just sitting there laughing and Kreider comes in. He goes, hey, man, six ain't safe, bro. I, I just started laughing. So, yeah. Now, do you attribute your success this season solely to sleeping with your bat? Uh, no. That was kind of a – that was kind of a thing where I was like, you know what, you know, I got to figure it out. Got to try to do something just to get some more hits, you know, win for the team. So, I mean, I had to do what I had to do, man. So. 
Explain for those of us who don't know that backstory, because I'm curious to hear you tell it. I mean, I started off a little rough and um, I was working with different things in the cage, trying to figure it out. And I just, I was like, you know what, man, like it's not my swing. It's literally, it's really all mental here. So, you know, I was just trying to just mentally like try to try to get back on track. And that was the way I did it. I, I brought my bat home. I looked at it and I'm like, you're coming to bed with me tonight and I'm going to get three hits the next day. You know, that's, that's what's going to happen. And just <laughs> mentally. I know, I know, I know it sounds stupid, but just mentally it's, it just helps you. It just helps you like grow stronger. And I mean, I mean, it helped me. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I would definitely do it again if I had to. <laughs> and I'm sure you, I'm sure you might at some point, baseball is a game like this, right? Uh, oh, so yeah. since we're talking about sleeping with a baseball bat, give us a dream you've had. Okay. Okay. This just sounded really, really weird, but I actually had one of the weirdest dreams ever of my life after a double header. And it was literally, I think it was like two days ago. We had a double header like two days ago. I was really, really tired and I slept hard. And I, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't dreamed like this in maybe like a year. So it was me, it was Arnie, our manager, and it was Drew Ward, our first baseman, third baseman. Me and Drew were like in a lake somewhere. There was an alligator. And I said, Drew, there's an alligator. Do not go in the water. And he decides to go in the water. And he starts getting attacked by this alligator. And Arnie is just walking up and Arnie has a saying, he always says, he always says, figure it out. I must've just looked at Arnie in the dream and I looked at him and we made eye contact and he goes, figure it out, man. So I had to, so I had to figure out how to save Drew Ward from an alligator. And, um, I saved him and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning freaking out because I, because I didn't know if it was real or not. And I was going to text him at two in the morning, but I was like, okay, right. It's just a dream. You know, let's go back to sleep now. So yeah, and I and I wish I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. I promise you. That is too good. Riley Green joins us here on Road to Detroit. Well, there is a young man, Riley, in the Tigers minor league system by the name of Spencer Torkelson. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's starting his season in West Michigan. It was so much fun watching you guys in spring training. What is it about Spencer that's made him one of your guys so quickly? You know, just um, just from the start, from the from the first time I met him, I mean, I mean, we clicked like that. Um, I mean, we became really good friends. We were the we were the two young guys in camp, and Dingler was there too. But we were the it was it was me, Torque, and Ding, and we um, we were the young guys there. You know, just being able just to be together every day, just get to know each other every day. Yeah, I mean, we just clicked. You know, Spencer's a really good guy, really good person off the field. I mean, I mean, we were already planning trips to hang out during the offseason. You know, I was going to go to Arizona, hang out. He was going to come to Florida. We were going to go fishing. I mean, when you just click with someone like that and he's your teammate, I mean, I, mean, I feel like that's really good. And, you know, when I, get, when I get to play with him on the team one day, we get to play a full season together. I mean, I mean we're going to have a lot of fun. So, Did you say fishing? Did I hear something about you getting a boat? Yes, I got a boat. Uh, I think it was like during the co around around the COVID season thing, you know, just because there's nothing to do. So I was like, I'm gonna get a boat, you know, figure it out. Got a boat, and I mean, I love it. I mean, my um, 
my cousin's fiance is running it for me right now. Thank God he is because it's not just sitting there, but um, he's having fun with it too. Let me tell you, he texts me every day. Hey, man, I'm taking the boat out. Uh, this, that. I'm, I'm like, go ahead, man. Run it for me. I need it. So, yeah. What's something that people might not know about Spencer Torkelson that Riley Green knows? Doesn't know how to open a can properly. Um, you know? So, I think yeah. we know that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. I know. But, um, He's a pretty good cook. He cooked for me and Jake Rogers one night. It was pretty good, not gonna lie. What did he make? I think he made I think I think it was I think he made like steaks, I think it was. And then a salsa he made. Not a bad cook, not a bad cook, not gonna lie. I guess when you know Guy Fieri, you sort of have to, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so what are the conversations like with Spencer now that you're not currently in the same place? How much are you keeping an eye on what's going on in West Michigan? How much is he talking to you about what's going on in Erie? So he had, um, he's been hitting a couple home runs lately. And I texted him. I was like, hey, man, see you soon, bro. He's like, man, man, I hope so. And then I, and then, um, and then I hit a home run the other day. And he's like, he texted me, he's like, go right ahead. You're a savage, just things like that. Just like, just like small things, you know, just trying to keep in touch. Um, he, he, um, he texted me the other day. He was like, Hey man, I miss you. I miss playing with you. I said, man, man, keep hitting, bro. Just keep it. And we'll see each other soon. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't wait till we get to, till we get to play with each other. And I mean, I'm glad he's getting hot now in a couple home runs here and there again, a couple hits. Um, so yeah, I've been watching me and, um, me and Kryler, we had, um, we had a couple of rainouts. We hurried back to the hotel and we watched the Whitecaps game just because we want to see how our friends are doing. So yeah, it's pretty cool watching them. I saw a picture get tweeted out from the road to Detroit account of Spencer and Dylan Dingler. You're not getting replaced. Are you? What's going on there? I mean, I mean, shoot, I might be getting replaced. I was, I was actually, I was actually going to comment on, uh, on that picture, but I did. I didn't, but um, just being able to see those two, just being able to, just to see them succeed and play well. I mean, it's awesome, you know, you know, it just makes me happy. So, so yeah. How does it feel to watch Dylan doing what he's been doing so far this year? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I mean, aside from baseball, I mean, Dingler is one of like the best guys I've met. I mean, he's older, so he's kind of, he's kind of taught me a lot of things. Um, yeah, but yeah, just him as a person. I mean, it's, I mean, it's crazy how good of a person he is. We golf a couple times together during spring training. I mean, we'll go eat together sometimes. And yeah, I mean, I, he's, um, he's another one of my good friends now too. So I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a really good dude. So do you ever stop and just think about this idea that maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you'll reflect back on your time coming up in the minor leagues and how you were hanging with guys like Spencer and Dylan. And I mean, because there is a real shot that all three of you are playing very, very, very consistently in Major League Baseball at some point. But, but it, nothing beats the guys you came up with together. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I, mean I, was, um, I was talking about this the other day with Kreiler. I said, hey, man, like, I should write a book about minor league baseball. And he's like, he's like, that's actually like a really good idea. And I was like, um, you know, just like being able just to create friendships and I mean, friendships you'll have for the rest of your life, you know, um, you know, going through hard times, going through the good times. I mean, cause I mean, cause baseball, it's not, it's not, 
it's not always good times. You know, there's going to be hard times. You know, one of you is going to be playing good. One of you is going to be playing bad. And I mean, I mean, being teammates, you know, you got to stick together. You got to stick through the hard times and the good times together. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just being able to come up with these guys, just being able to play with them. I mean, I mean, it's awesome. And just um, and just reflecting and things like that is. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna look back in whatever, 20, 30 years and be like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I went through the hard times and the good times with these guys. So, so yeah. Well, if you ever do put out that book, you have to let us know. Riley, you've been <laughs> fantastic. I'm honored and a little relieved that we got to have you on this first show because if you hadn't been tearing it up a couple of years ago, we probably wouldn't be here either. So thank you so much and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. That's Riley Green on the road to Detroit. It's now time for the return of best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise. This week's best in class award, the first one of season two goes to... Here's the 2-2. Swing and a high fly ball hit down the left field line. If it's fair, it's gone. And this ball is over and gone. A grand slam for Dylan Dingler. Yeah, it's got to be Dylan Dingler. He was 11 for 22 at the plate for the West Michigan Whitecaps. They went to Great Lakes, and although they lost four of six games, Dylan Dingler was a force. He ended up batting 500 during that stretch with a 577 on base percentage. A couple of home runs, including a grand slam, also doubled four times, and continues to play great defense behind the plate. I'll tell you what. I'm really excited to see what Dylan Dingler looks like a couple of years from now because there's a chance that he might be one of the better catchers coming up through the minor league ranks. And I'll tell you this right now. If Dylan Dingler is not a top 100 prospect by season's end, we did this two years ago. Remember Tarek Skubal? We talked about how this is somebody you need to keep an eye on, somebody that should be in the top 100 prospects. We kind of planted our flag on Tarek Skubal. Well, guess what we're doing this year? We're going to plant it with Dylan Dingler because this kid has a chance to be special. Not a lot of catchers can A, hit for average, B, hit for power, C, run the bases. This guy actually can run a little bit, not just for a catcher, but for any position. And on top of that, he has done an outstanding job behind the plate. He's not a finished product. He still has work to do. But just in terms of seeing what you need to see, Dylan Dingler checks all the boxes to be not just a good Tigers prospect, but to be a prospect that should be known around Major League Baseball. That's why Dylan Dingler is this week's best in class. It's now time for my personal favorite award of the best in class. It is our honorable mention, or as we called it back in 2019, the Dylan Rosa Award. He seemed to get the honorable mention over and over and over during the 2019 run of the road to Detroit. And this week, Dylan Rosa has been gracious enough to allow another teammate to take over the honorable mention award. The Dylan Rosa Award winner to our producer, Nate Wangler. Andre Lipsius. Here's the set and the 0-2 pitch. Swung on. This one hit out to left. Going back on the ball, Zayner at the warning track, at the wall, and that ball is gone. Touch them all time, Andre Lipsius. And there's a lot of reasons to like Andre Lipsius. First of all, I think he can be an everyday guy at the major league level. He's already heading that direction. You talked about the power numbers earlier. 
He's already doubled his home runs from last year. RBIs are up. He's only had one series up at the double A level, and he tore it up. Five hits, five RBIs, already a home run in that first series with Erie. So everything is trending in the right direction with Andre Lipsius. And the thing I like the most, batting average of 275. He is a consistent threat at the plate. So not only defensively, but offensively, and we've seen him make some impressive picks in the infield at West Michigan. Plus a strong arm. That helps too. I could see Andre Lipsius becoming an everyday guy at the major league level here in the very near future. You know who Andre Lipsius reminds me of? Johnny Peralta. And he's never going to be confused with a Jose Iglesias, for example, where he's making all these acrobatic plays. But he's so rock solid on balls hit directly to him. He always makes the routine play. And there is value attached to that. We see Andre Lipsius playing second base. Third base, that's a hard position to make plays on. Shortstop, we've even seen him play a little bit of short in 2019. So this is somebody who has the ability to play these positions, make those plays routinely on the defensive side, and as a hitter, I just really like his situational ability. I think he has this knack for contact when he knows his team needs it. If there's a runner at third, if there's less than two outs, if you're tied, if you're down a run, if you're trying to get the lead... Andre Lipsius has been a guy that knows when he needs to sell out just to make contact. And in a sport where everybody is selling out to swing as hard as they possibly can just so they can hit the ball as hard as they possibly can, and that's why strikeouts are through the roof, Andre Lipsius in that way is a bit of a throwback player. And that's one thing I like about Andre. He's the kind of guy that you win games with. You know, for a Dylan Rosa award winner, shouldn't there be a scenario where Dylan Rosa walks up to Andre Lipsius and, like, gives him the Rosa award? (laughs) Couldn't he be like, Andre, will you accept this Rosa? (laughs) Congratulations Uh, to Dylan Dingler and Andre Lipsius. They're our best in class. Welcome back to the Road to Detroit podcast. It's first voyage of season two. Of course, 2019, we got a chance to tell you all about what was going on. And thankfully, two years later, the, we've graduated a few guys up into the major leagues. One of the people that's in charge of that process is Dave Littlefield, the Detroit Tigers Vice President of Player Development. Dave, it's great to see you. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Always fun to talk about the Tigers and the development of some of our younger players and as we're seeing in some cases, some of them getting up there and performing well at the major league level. So we, we hope to see more of that in the future. So I definitely like to talk about a couple of different topics today. But one of the first things I think people are curious about, let's talk about your big three in West Michigan. And of course, there's a big roster, but a lot of the people in West Michigan and a lot of Tigers fans are paying attention to these three names, Spencer Torkelson, Dylan Dingler, and Daniel Cabrera. I'm interested to hear from you what went into their assignments to the high A level, having never played a game in professional baseball. Well, it's a, a begin with, it's a collaborative effort that, you know, from our front office in Detroit, our analytics people, um, our amateur scouting people, in those cases with those three players being drafted, along with player development. We obviously in player development have had limited time with those players, uh, Dingler and Torkelson were as in Detroit in 2020 as part of that spring training 2.0, then came to Toledo for the alternate site. Torkelson was in instructional league, and then both were in major league camp. So, you know, we've had a little more involvement with them, but it's been a very odd 
path relative to what the norm is for all those reasons of the pandemic and everything getting shut down. So we just felt as, as time went on and, and, and yeah, it includes AJ Hinch, who's our manager, who's got a lot of experience and, and a lot of different roles and had these guys for six weeks is putting our heads together. We thought just this would be good spot. They're college players. They performed very well. They were high picks in the case of, uh, you know, Dingler and Torkelson, as you mentioned specifically that had had basically all the experience that they could get while they were with us. And we thought the balance of the talent and the challenge and along with the fact that they had experienced you know, college baseball at a high level and that sort of stuff that we thought this would be a good fit. And on top of that, you know, the environment in, in West Michigan is, is such a positive one with all the fan interest and the way the players are treated. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's as good an environment in minor league baseball as there is. And, and we cherish that and we, we want to use that as part of the experience for those guys to understand, you know, this is minor league baseball and, and this is a step along the way to kind of give you a feel because this is their really their first step. Uh, we just felt as a whole that was kind of best for them. In Cabrera's case, uh, you know, we was, he's an advanced bat. He's a mature, uh, advanced emotionally uh, as, a, as a person. Um, he's played at a high level at LSU, came to Instructional League, did very well there. Um, just, you know, has the look of a ball player and plays like a ball player and all the reports particularly from amateur scouting that had seen him more basically than any of us uh, felt like that would be a good challenge for him too. So um, it's gone very well, you know, as you can see with, with all three of them, just in, in a month or five weeks or so, there's still some ups and downs, even with the most talented of guys. And that is kind of the nature of getting into the highest level in the world of, you know, it's a tough game. It's hard to hit. And you play basically every day. So there's going to be some peaks and valleys. And, and part of what the great ones will tell you is that there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of, you know, hitting 300, as we always say, also means you're, you're out seven times out of 10. So there's a lot of frustration. You've got to learn to deal with failure and bounce back and that type of stuff. So they even in the five weeks, the three of them have had some ups and downs and certainly they look like they're on the right path. We think they're good players, and that's part of the growing process. How much value do you attach on the success from the team perspective and for these guys dominating their competition? Because, of course, that's kind of the mindset you want to get them used to, right, is not just being an average player on whatever team he's on, but thriving and dominating whatever his competition is. Is that off base or is that on track? No, no, you're, you're very accurate. It's, there's no doubt that winning environments there's just a vibe and, and you know the culture is easier to kind of manipulate if you will as to this is what we need to do to win and people buy into it more teamwork and camaraderie and all that and, and you know anybody who's been out there and participated you know fair or unfair it seems like there's there's more energy with winning ways than there is when you know you're 15 games under or 20 games under and Hey, you still got to go to work. You still got to, you know, work hard and that, and that sort of stuff. But you, you like to build that, uh, that kind of environment with winning teams and, you know, just winning baseball. Uh, they're just better environments to, to participate in. Now, number one, we want to win in Detroit. 
that is that is the goal and that winning a world championship is what you're shooting for so there's the balance throughout the minor leagues of of you want winning teams but you want the right guys to play and you know those people that you invested in and the ones that are performing and and then at some point if they're performing so well you also you want to think about hey we got to get them to the next level to challenge them and get them closer to the end game and that's with you know to get a world championship in Detroit so all those factors are involved and there's not you know one thing that, that overwhelms the other other than a world championship in Detroit is what you're shooting for so you're got a lot of uh, thoughts and opinions from different people whether it's our rovers eyes and ears the manager and the staff the professional scouts that are coming in and out the front office that goes to see games and now there's all sorts of metrics that are involved people are watching video uh that type of stuff so um it's it's not one necessarily over the other uh other than that you want to win the world series in detroit is that's the number one and you're always keeping that in mind how important is it to keep a core together on a minor league team? Because you talked about the energy, the passion. I mean, you've got some, some good managers in your system. Brian Pena is just a ball of energy in West Michigan. You've got Arnie and Erie. T- tell me a little bit about, is there value that you guys place on keeping groups like this together as they climb up? Yeah, there is some. It, it's just, it's not everything is in black and white other than that you winning a world series in Detroit, that's black and white. You want to have, that's the goal. Now, along the way you could write the blueprint. You'd love to do it in winning environments. You'd love to have guys performing well and then moving them when they perform well. And you'd like to have it done with a group, but you know, it isn't separate. It's, there's a mesh of how all those things come together. So, um, there's some discussion and consideration for some of that. However, it, it is, and this is one of the best things about these kind of jobs is they're difficult decisions. But what I've learned over time is the game will show you 90 to 95% of the decisions that you need to make. And that is by how well they play. And sometimes you, you know, you got to be prepared for everything, good, bad, or indifferent injuries and that sort of stuff. However, the easiest part is, you know, how they hit, how they play defensively, how they pitch. When they start performing well, you know, that's what kind of the engine that drives the train to say, hey, maybe it's time we start to think about moving them somewhere. This is a question that all Tigers fans want to know because you guys have invested heavily in drafting position players the past few years. Do you think you have enough core position players? I mean, I know you can never have enough talent, but in your opinion, after two years of selecting a lot of hitters at the top, do you feel like you have enough on that side? Because after taking pitchers high in the draft for so many years, you knew you had enough in that area, and that's starting to show. We're trying to get as many as possible, and you know, even in the scouting area, and um, they're looking at high-end uh, talent that – you know, we can try to make something out of and whether it's international or amateur. So, uh, you know, to say, do we have enough? You know, it's easy to say we never have enough. I mean, hey, there, we've got a good group of starting pitchers at the major leagues. And, you know, we, we've along the way right now, Fiedo and Wentz are two high end guys that, you know, people kind of they fall back in the discussion right now because they've been hurt for a little while. Now, Wentz is 
starting to get out there and he's pitching some and will be, uh, you know, moving up at some time soon uh, to get back on track and we'll see how that goes. But you can never have enough and you're always trying for more. So it's the reality of everybody is that everybody's trying to get as many as possible and develop them. And it, it doesn't always mean, even though that's usually the premium talent is the high picks or the real high international bonuses. There are some great examples of, you know, Soto and Foley, just as two that, you know, one was an amateur free agent, non-drafted out of a four-year college. And another one was signed for not a, you know, the, the high, high end bonuses that some of the guys get in. And they both have elite talent. Now how it comes together you know, that'll take place and we'll see where it goes in time. But that's something to be aware of. It's just not the first pick that has the high-end talent. It can come from different places and it's a little more unusual, but it can happen. So we're looking for it and trying to work with it any way we can. You talked about Jason Foley, talked about Gregory Soto, Casey Mize and Tarek Scoobl. They were the superstars of this podcast two years ago. And here we are two years later, they're both having legitimate big league success. One of the common threads, and a lot of people have been talking about Chris Fetter, the pitching coach of the major league level. What impact have you seen that Chris has been able to instill on all this young talent? I think anytime you're part of improvement, you know, there's it's hard to kind of divvy up success and, you know, who's responsible, but uh, Chris is got a great mind he's very observant he's uh, works well with people obviously has, has been well documented the technology and the metrics and the he works hard and is very committed to trying to help these guys individually get better and Chris has done a fine job and you know we're very happy to have him with us and you know there's lots of indicators out there along with that and seeing Turnbull throw a no hitter and you know so there's some really good stuff happening and uh Chris has been a, a real asset for us. Before we go, let's talk about Matt Manning because it's been a tough start for what's a supremely talented kid. I've seen this one on Twitter. Chris Fetter is so good that the Tigers should promote Matt Manning to the big club so the two can work together and help Manning get back on track. Help, uh, help us navigate the risk-reward quotient of something like that. Is that something you guys have talked about? Uh, no, we haven't. Uh, you know, generally, almost everyone has some struggles like we talked about, even back with Dingler and Torkelson and Cabrera. It's just kind of the norm. And, and it quite often happens at each level. Uh, you know, we, we just mentioned kind of Mize and Scooble and some of their struggles. And, and I'm sure there'll be some more. So um, I think frequently because the prospects perform well at times and Matt has done ex exceptionally well, that it's just going to be a clear path to the big leagues and be an all-star immediately and all that. And, and we're hoping for that. And I think that can still happen, but it's a very common thing to have some struggles. And, and as I said, with some of the earlier stuff, it's it, as much as you're not rooting for it to happen, it's part of the process that guys got to learn how to deal with it, how to make adjustments, how to, look within and realize that, you know, I'm accountable. It's, it's not, you know, the sun, the umpire, the defense, the whatever it may be. And that's part of every athlete going through that is I've got to figure it out. And all the coaches are out there to help. We're all rooting for Matt or anybody else to get through those struggles. But 
um, you know, each level has its share of challenges. And, you know, I knowing Matt well and having seen him since he's been with us, you know, there's been other times that he's struggled in extended spring training way back. I, I mean, I, I know he'll remember this because it was uh, at some point I was sitting in the stands in Lake County in a ball when Al and I, Al Avila and I were watching Matt and his first West Michigan star. So, you know, log back on to those, that outing. And that was not one of his better outings. And Hey, it, it, and I know it's the first next level and it's nervous, but then I also remember being at the playoff game for West Michigan that same year where I want to say he struck out 10 and five innings. Yeah. So, you know, just as a little microcosm of his situation, um, those are facts. Those are on record. And I can't remember exactly the numbers that he had in Lake County that day, but I almost a hundred percent sure he didn't get out of the first. Uh, and, uh, and Hey, look, that's part of it. And Matt knows that. And Torkelson knows that. And Scooble knows, knows that not that we're rooting for it, but, that's part of the learning learning process of, you know, developing yourself and toughening up and emotionally getting tougher and learning how to throw that fastball in and breaking ball for strikes and all the things that pitchers need to do. So, um, you know, you got to kind of achieve at each level to move to the next level. I mean, you know, just in theory, I, I certainly respect Chris and that and, and his abilities, but, Matt's got to take care of himself, and he knows that, and he will, just like that example I gave you earlier when, when he first went to West Michigan. So uh, we're very confident in him. Um, he's going to be a heck of a pitcher, and uh, it'll happen soon, but that's just normal stuff for guys going through the system. It's a game of ups and downs, Dave, and having considered the fact that we've seen guys like Spencer Turnbull, now Casey Mize, Tarek Skubel – graduate from from this show i can only imagine how much fun it must be from your perspective so uh, again thanks so much for joining us thanks for kind of helping us dive in on, on some of these individual cases as we navigate what's going on in the minor leagues because again like you said it's peaks and valleys and it sure is fun to talk about every single one of them so thank you very much for spending some time with us today on the road to detroit podcast thanks dan appreciate you having me on It's now time for the road ahead. Let's now talk about what the Detroit Tigers minor league teams have to look forward to here this week. The Lakeland Flying Tigers face off against Dunedin for the first time this season. A six-game home stretch before hitting the road for another series against Fort Myers, who they are 3-3 three and three against to the season at this point. West Michigan's coming back home. They return home to a full-capacity crowd at LMCU Ballpark on Tuesday night to take on the Lansing Lugnuts for six games before hitting the road to face that Lake County team that they just swept in a six-game series, part of an eight-game winning streak for West Michigan. The Erie Seawolves get set to host 12 straight games. As you know, they were on the road for 12 games. Now they get to come back for the better part of two weeks. A six-game stretch against the Somerset Patriots. That's a new team in AA before they welcome the Altoona Curve. As for Toledo, the Mud Hens will host the Louisville Bats for six games before visiting the Columbus Clippers for six more. Matt Manning scheduled to pitch on June 13th against the Bats, so keep that one in mind, weather permitting. Our thanks to Detroit Tigers Vice President of Player Development, Dave Littlefield, and to Riley Green for spending some time here on the Road to Detroit podcast. It is so 
great to be back. We certainly missed you. And, you know, we saw the messages. We saw the tweets saying, where's the road to Detroit? When are you guys coming back? We've been waiting just like you have, and it's something that has been kind of a passion project. And we talk about these guys because it's so much fun to see them graduate up into Major League Baseball, to see Spencer Turnbull throw a no-hitter, to see Casey Mize continue to find more and more consistency and look better and better, to see Tarek Skubal striking out double-digit batters. This is where all of this starts. Everything starts right here. So whether we were talking about Casey Mize or Tarek Skubal then, now we're talking about Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and Daniel Cabrera and Dylan Dingler. All of a sudden, we have a chance to have this distinguished group of alumni that pass through the RTD podcast. This year, we've got some great personalities. We're going to have a lot of fun this summer getting to know these guys. There are a lot of people to thank for the return of this show. The Detroit Tigers PR group, the Detroit Tigers director of broadcasting, Stan Fracker. There's been so many people that are pulling strings behind the scenes for us to be able to tell the stories of these players to you. And as we go along, you're going to learn about what it's like in West Michigan. You're going to learn about Lakeland. You're going to learn about Erie and Toledo. Because these are places that have undergone so much change over the course of the last couple of years that now it's starting to turn out homegrown talent. It's one of the first times we've been able to say that. I mean, you go back to 2006, and there was certainly homegrown talent on that team. Justin Verlander would like to have a word. But there's also so many different players that the Tigers brought in from the outside. This time, it's going to be done a little bit differently. We're seeing guys come up through the system, and now for the first time, and as long as I can remember, the majority of players playing in Detroit are homegrown talent, and that's a big deal. That's a pendulum-swinging type of situation. And if you get enough of that, you can sell yourself to get those final pieces that you need, whether it be in trades, whether it be in the draft, whether it be in free agency, you have that pull. And coming off their first winning month since 2016, this is the perfect time to be finding even that little bit of success. Coming down the home stretch of this season premiere of Road to Detroit, if you caught the very beginning of the show, remember, share this podcast with one other person. Anybody you talk baseball with, anybody you talk Tigers with, someone that you think speaks this language, speaks the language of player development, let them hear from the players themselves, from the coaches, from the decision makers, everybody within the Tigers' front office. Because if nothing else, you're going to understand the line of thinking that goes behind a lot of the decisions that get made for the Detroit Tigers baseball team. And if this is your first time listening to The Road to Detroit, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss an episode because in the weeks ahead, there's going to be a lot more where this came from. There's going to be some big names, some big-time Tigers prospects, some big-time prospects in Major League Baseball, and I think you know who I'm referring to who are going to be joining us here on the road to Detroit. It's going to be a fun summer, and we're so excited that you're going to be a part of it. That's our episode one of season two of the Road to Detroit podcast. Again, one last time, our thanks to Riley Green and Detroit Tigers Vice President of Player Development, Dave Littlefield. That wraps up show number one. We're back next week for Season 2, Episode 2 of The Road to Detroit. And until next time... See ya! No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work, to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future, trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours. 
Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 